My name is Lex, and this week on Spidey Signals, me and my co-host Alex discuss J. Michael Straczynski and Ron Garney's Back in Black, J. Michael Straczynski and Joe Casada's One More Day, and how you should really just let old people die. Get ready for a brand new day, because it's time for Spidey Signals. Welcome back to Spidey Signals, the podcast where two guys with the same name talk about Spider-Man. I'm Lex. And I'm Alex. Last week, we uh, talked about... What the fuck did we talk about? Oh, yeah, the new animated series. The I like, new completely forgot. animated series. Yeah, I completely, I completely forgot that we talked about the new animated series. I remember uh, bits and pieces of it very familiarly. I think about the theme music a lot, the opening and the closing. It was it was so fucked up that I, I, I erased it from my memory. It's uh, that, that was a lot to watch, uh, but, you know, we, we got it done. And uh, now we've got another nightmare to talk about. The nightmare to talk about. The the the, the premier Spider-Man nightmare other than like maybe rain or sins past. Uh, but this is this is the big one. Uh, this week we are talking about two comic runs that were in back to back, uh, back in black and one more day, uh, back in black was released over five issues from April to October of 2007. And one more day, uh, was over four issues from November, 2007 to January of 2008 back in black, uh, covers amazing Spider-Man 539 through 543. One more day is ASM 544 from the neighborhood Spider-Man 24, Sensational 41, and uh, Amazing Spider-Man 545. All of these comic books that we're talking about were written by J. Michael Straczynski, except for Amazing Spider-Man 545, the very last one, which was written by Joe Quesada, uh, who is also an artist uh, and also, at the time, the editor-in-chief of Marvel. So he was just doing other shit. Very convenient. Yeah, he's like, I know what I'll do. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, the artwork for Back in Black was done by Ron Garney. Uh, and the artwork for One More Day was done by Joe Casada. Uh, the letters for Back in Black were done by VC's Corey Pettit. That's what Wikipedia says. Uh, and One More Day's letters were done by Chris Ilopoulos. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, the colors for Back in Black were done by Matt Mila. Uh, and the One More Day colors were done by Richard Isanove and Dean White. So yeah, that's what we've got to cover. Uh, nine issues of comics. It's, uh, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Alex, do you have any, any personal experiences with Back in Black and or One More Day? My personal experiences with Back in Black uh, are mostly just ha- having been familiar with what I've seen. I-, I admittedly had not read either of these arcs before the recording of this episode. Uh, I-, I had seen bits and pieces of Back in Black on on Reddit and on the Spider-Man sub there. And whenever I follow a lot of Spider-Man blogs on Tumblr and uh, I've-, I've seen panels from it that are particularly famous or infamous spread there so i'm familiar with some of the bigger like fuck you kingpin moments that i've you know seen and read just out of context but as far as one more day um i've i've gone out of my way to not read it up to this point just uh as a 
um, a measure of not wasting my time. I have a bad habit of like watching things I know I'm going to either hate or I know are going to suck just to watch them or read them. Yeah. And I I have shows that I've been meaning to watch for like a decade that I'm about a third of the way through that I'm in a constant state of restarting. So never am I like, oh, you know what I should do? I should read Spider-Man one more day today. So uh, my again, my my familiarity with these are are passing it until now. What about you, Lex? Uh, I actually had one of these comic books when I was a kid. Uh, I specifically had, I think, Back in Black Ow. issue two. I remember the cover of with Spider-Man on the side of the ambulance. Uh, it Pretty was one of, the, one of the few comics I had. Uh, but I, I remember reading Back in Black issue two. Uh, and obviously I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Uh, and I never really came back to it. And of course, One More Day is obviously super infamous. Uh, and, you know, you, you hear about that all the goddamn time. It is. It is like we said earlier. Probably the most infamous Spider-Man comic story, other than Rain or Sin's Past. Uh, and it's yeah, it's it's pretty stupid. But uh, first, we got to get through the good stuff. So, yeah, Alex, sure. you want to just kind of take us through the plot of of Back in Black and One More Day? Uh, oh, would I ever! Uh, this is this is going to go up and down a lot. So so let's get right into the meat of it. We begin oh, yeah. with Back in Black, uh, and for context, this uh, this arc begins, <clears throat> I'm not sure how much time since the end of the Marvel Civil War has passed specifically, because I haven't read through that all the way, um, but it's at the point where um, Peter is living in secrecy in like a sleazy motel with MJ and Aunt May um, after the, the Civil War has ended, uh, Tony's pro-identity revelation faction having... Re registration, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, having been the the victor, the clear victor, and with people like Captain America and, and Peter gone underground. Um, everyone knows Spider-Man is Peter Parker, and uh, he's at odds with Tony. He's an outlaw. It's 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 fucked up. It's it's, you know, a take on the character that people were like, OK, let's see what happens at this point. Uh, and the, the king, the, the, the first the, oh, the first note that I wrote was literally how this whole the beginning of the comic, which is where uh, Aunt May gets shot. Uh, like this immediately reminds me of how dumb Civil War is in the comics. Yeah, it's I I haven't read it. Yeah. I know what happens on like a a plot skeleton level, but like I it's not something that's ever interested me. The toy box, let's make them fight aspect of it. I think the MCU handled it as best as like this that that kind of universe and that like vision of it could. Uh, yeah, the comic version, what I know about it, it has just never particularly appealed to me. But uh, with all that said, <clears throat> the Kingpin has resurfaced, and now that Peter Parker's identity is public knowledge, he has hired a sniper to kill Peter and his loved ones. Peter sensed the sniper about to fire on him through a window of the hotel, and when he moved to uh, knock MJ out of the way, the bullet struck Aunt May, and that's where the comic, like, Back in Black immediately begins here. Um... Peter repeatedly just screeches the phrase no more with the most un-Peter Parker expression you've ever seen on his face and uh, bolts outside of the uh, the hotel room towards the oncoming sniper fire, like dodging it left and right, where he then picks up a jeep and hurls it at the window that the gunman is firing from. Immediately uh, does not give a fuck, just yeah. flips on the switch. The switch is flipped. Yeah, this is... Uh, it, it's a, a version of him, you know, we, they get used to a lot of maskless, costumeless stuff in this in this arc specifically. 
Um, yeah. Just absolutely no fucks given. I don't care who sees me throw a Jeep. It's all out the window now. Uh, when the Jeep is thrown at the gunman, it hits him in such a way that the scope of his gun is broken off as a convenient little plot evidence MacGuffin. MJ frantically attempts to dial 911, and Peter says that there's no time, grabs Aunt May in his arms, and swings to the hospital with no costume, just not giving a fuck, bleeding, dying Aunt May in his arms, going. Uh, May pipes up with her dying little old woman voice and goes, Oh, Peter! Peter, they're gonna see you, Spider-Man! I'm so sorry! <laughs> oh, God, I'm sorry, I got shot with a bullet! Uh, barely clinging to life. Peter goes to uh, an empty room of the hospital from the outside, smashes through the window, and leaves Aunt May, uh, an elderly woman with a very traumatic, high-powered rifle gunshot wound in a bed, and just, like, relies on the incoming trauma team to come in and see her. Which yeah, is... You do it. I, I suppose it's the best, like, possible plan for, for who he is and what he is now, but, but goddamn... Um, the trauma team assembles and they, they begin to work on Aunt May and Peter just kind of clings to the wall outside, furiously weeping and listening to the doctors discuss how much blood she's lost. And we get our first uh, cutaway here to the kingpin, Wilson Fisk, uh, sitting in his jail cell. There's some like Let's... editor notes talking about how this bridge is another daredevil story at the time. Love to see kingpin. Always love to see him. Absolutely. Uh, very, very. When you utilize him in a Spider-Man story the right way, he he can be very memorable. I think I think Spider-Man oh, yeah. has proved that like on a general I've, audience level. I I fucking specifically I love uh, Born Again, but you know everybody loves Daredevil Born Again. Mm. Uh, but he he goes fucking devil mode in in Born Again, and he goes devil mode here. And you know it's it's always great uh, to have Kingpin around where he's just like eh fuck you and just starts to ruin uh, somebody's personal life. Oh, absolutely. Like, all the gloves are off. There's no more rules. That's a big part of, like, the ethos, the, the, the message of this, the tone of this arc, this entire story is no rules. Everything is different now. Um, yeah. Kingpin is delivered a message by his prison guard friend, Charlie, stating that one of the gift baskets has been delivered, but not the other two. But even that is enough to make Fisk smile about the news, knowing that he's cause some kind of terrible harm to Peter, no matter what it is. Uh, and he starts this long diatribe about Euripides, the Greek playwright, and yep. his, like, penchant for tragedy, which Fisk shares, and he's like, ah, I'm like Euripides, Euripides nuts, am I right, Charlie? Hey. Uh, du dude's rocking? He's, he's a smart fella, this, this Wilson. In this world, you're either a smart fella or a fart smella. Uncle Ben said that. <laughs> The Uncle Ben said that. <laughs> right before Peter went to the wrestling match. Exactly. Uh, MJ uh, meets with Peter in an alleyway, like, you know, criminals do, and uh, gives him an update on Aunt May's condition that Aunt May has stabilized, but is not doing good in the conventional sense at all. Uh, Peter laments that this is all his fault. This is all because of him and Spider-Man, and there's nothing he could do. You know, really classic. Yeah, it's all my, it's all my fault. Very, very Tobey Maguire, Peter, here. Oh, I'm not allowed to have what I, I want, what I need. I can't, I can't have it. I, I, have my, I have to keep it separate. I uh, want it, but I can't have it. They are in desperate need of money, since Aunt May is in the very expensive county medical, because it's the best possible care. 
and they only have so much money in cash, which is also incredibly suspicious to pay with. Um, she can't yeah, be admitted. No, no insurance. Her. They're paying everything with cash. Of course, Spider-Man. Why would he have insurance? Um, <laughs> Spider-Man doesn't have health insurance. Aunt May also, of course, obviously can't be admitted under the name of May Parker, uh, given her connotation to a wanted super criminal. Um, so they book her, decide to book her under the name of May Riley, uh, with an old birth certificate, uh, going with her maiden name. At, at, they've decided to do that at that point. Um, yeah. Peter goes off and says he's going to do what he does best, which is uh, hurt people when he puts his mind to it. <laughs> Uh, he goes back to the location. Sounds like the, fucking, sounds like the fucking Punisher at this point. Oh, yeah. A lot of this is it, some of this is cringe. Some of it is cool. Uh, it kind of fluctuates. That's more of a cringe yeah. moment. Yeah. Normally, I don't really like super dark Spider-Man stories, but sometimes, especially with like this, I think it works really well. Because mm-hmm. like, er, like later on when he ends up finding the uh, the sniper scope and he goes around and tries to find the arms dealer, he's like, I don't yeah. knock. I'm not in the mood. And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's very, very good. No quippy Spider-Man. Uh, he is back in the sniper's nest uh, where a cop tries to, like, stop him from coming to the, you know, evidence scene here. And he just silently webs him to the wall from, like, the waist up. And, you know, Spider-Man said fuck cops. Uh, said fuck cops. His spider sense allows him to find uh, the broken pieces of the scope on the ground, uh, which he, you know, takes into his inventory. And his quest marker tells him to go interrogate thugs. Uh, he knows he can't do anything to help May in person, so with the scope in hand, he knows he has to turn to where the big-time weapon fencers meet for information. These are the, the top drawer guys, he says, people that usually, like, the police are even afraid to touch. They deal with celebrities, politicians, they're, they're the guys. Uh, and Peter just bursts in. Uh, and begins beating the ever-loving shit out of these people. Yeah, he beats the fuck out of them. Badly. Uh, immediately kicking ass and giving us, the audience, monologues about, again, how he's not knocking, not in the mood, doesn't care what this gun deal is or who it's for. These people are just in the way. He's not pulling punches. They make it a, a direct like yep. line to us that he's not pulling punches here, which is a thing he does to not cause grievous internal injuries to people. No he's jokes. The fuck out of people. Uh, he's just making short work of every thug he sees um, until there's just one left, the one he came to see. Peter is, uh, Peter is on demon time right now. He's on demon time. Yeah, he's he's like. He's Doom Slayer, Peter, at this point. Exactly, yeah. Moving through Berserk power up, just, you know, cutting through him. Uh, the the dealer denies any involvement with the scope specifically, uh, and Peter breaks his hand, very Rorschach-esque, just holding the, you know, broken bone on him ah. there. Uh, and the thug says that they're, it's a very high-end Gunter Wass scope. Very expensive. Gunter? Only- <laughs> very high end, uh, very good fiber optic kind of shit. And only a few dealers would carry it. A very few number of them in, in the city. And Peter says that whatever those people would do to him in a day or two for ratting is but a fraction of what Peter will do to him right now if he isn't giving him a name and address, which is like Darth Vader, like monologue. You know what I mean? We've He's gone going... from like, yeah, that's like James Earl Jones could say that. He's going fucking evil mode. I mean, that's what I got to say. And, you know, I, I actually really like all the, the scenes where Peter fights in his, like, his civvies, his civilian clothes. 
Oh, for uh, sure. Except the outfit that they give him is so corny. Like he's wearing like slacks Converse. and like a like a Converse and a polo, like a tucked mm-hmm. in polo shirt. Absolutely. Like he, he looks like a fucking dork. He looks like his it was laundry day and he's wearing like a outfit he would have worn in high school. Yeah, exactly. Kicking ass in his fucking Chuck Taylors, leaving waffle print bruises on people's forehead all the way to the bone. That would be really funny. Diamond print. Um, but al- already, already knowing where all this goes, just just let May die. Just 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 let oh her die. Just, just let, let her. Yeah, that's that's the just, official opinion of the podcast. It's what the fuck. Let let the old woman just let let her rest. Let, in let that let that old bag die. We, let her join on. her husband in gunshot wound heaven, where they can kiss and bandage each other's wounds for eternity. Uh, as MJ arrives back at the hospital. Um, she's told that May is now in a coma, kept alive only by machines and life support, and the doctors are afraid that she's going to pass soon. So, with all of this information that Peter's gathered in mind, uh, he goes to a spot that he said he, you know, didn't think he would going to be returning to under this context, or really any, and finds his black costume webbed up in a little cocoon uh, on a very tall building, which, you know, if you want to get, ooh, about lore, you know, dissolves in an hour, whatever. Uh, uh, he retrieves his black costume, his his fuck you, I'm evil costume, uh, reminiscent of the symbiote suit, uh, to send a message to those who know what it means, what it represents. Peter is now fully back in black and ready to kill whoever is responsible for this grievous uh, invasion in his life, which ends the first issue of Back in Black. Oh, yeah. Takes us to Amazing Spider-Man 540. Uh, MJ calls Peter on his cell phone, which is a thing now that we're in 2007, you know, firmly Spider-Man has a cell phone. Get him on the phone. Who relays to him that Aunt May is now in a coma, as well as the rest of the news that came with that. MJ encourages him to keep seeking the culprit and that there's nothing to do at the hospital in her position but cry. Uh, Peter has been given four names by the thug that he attacked to track down that would have dealt in this specific scope recently. Uh, having cut through the first three in a very quick little, you know, when you when you read that sentence, you're like, oh, God, are we going to have to see him fight through all these people? I think there's a sequence like that in uh, Craven's Last Hunt or something. Yeah. Thing. Uh, they cut through that very quickly and just take us right to the fourth one. Um, Peter is going very hard on him, far from easy. Uh, mocking him, going on a long-winded, again, almost Toby speech about, oh, you're a coward from a distance, you know, you're, you people like you can't get up close and fight. That's, you know, kind of able, Peter. Yeah, so, the, the obviously this is the uh, the... It's called back in black because he puts the, the black costume back on uh, and he's like, I didn't people. I didn't like this because it scared people, but I don't care anymore. But like, I want, I want to do like a special shout out because the black suit looks hard as fuck. This whole mm-hmm. mini series, like they, yeah, they do it. They, it looks so good the whole time. Like what, there, there's that big splash page where, uh, where Peter is holding the guy up that he's, that he's interrogating. That mm-hmm. looks great. There's a later, uh, I think it's like, uh, I think the fourth issue, like when he's fighting Kingpin, where there's just a panel where it's like one of those long, pa- long, thin panels where it's just you could just see a black head and then these two little white eyes just staring. And it's like, this looks hard as fuck. It looks great. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan and uh, I'm glad to see it so much in this. Uh, the dealer makes the mistake of taunting Spider-Man uh, in his you know, fragile state here. 
uh, and ends up going out the window, uh, saved at the last second by a web line. Uh, this uh, causes him to cough up some multiple names, uh, but only one that matters to Peter as to who the gunman could be. Jake Martino, who is purportedly a hitman who does jobs that no one else will touch, meaning that he was hired to kill May. Uh, that means, uh, with all that said, Jake has friends in high places and is seemingly untouchable, but not for long, Peter remarks. He goes to an alleyway where some cops are accosting a bum who is doing some public urination, let's go, and uh, traps them all in the alleyway with a wall of web so he can uh, break into the cop car uh, and use their car computer to get Martino's last known address, which is, of course, you know, more... That's two issues in a row. Spider-Man said, fuck cops. Fuck um, cops. At Martino's last known address, he comes into the apartment through the window and has a run-in with a goofy sitcom landlord who's very, ah, I'm gonna tell you a joke. Ah, woo. But he, he also makes some remarks about, like, oh, we love Captain America. That guy's great. You're cool in my book because you're with him. Uh, swinging from Martino's apartment, Peter goes to Grand Central Station in the hopes that uh, his appearance here will frighten the traveling Jake out into revealing himself. Uh, he does a cool little close his eyes and focus thing, even though he's, like, very clearly people are, like, all around him, like, oh, fuck, that's Spider-Man. Don't touch him. He's doing a thing. Looks um, hard as fuck. Great scene. Mm -hmm. He he is able to single out Jake Martino, and uh, when he when he runs up to him, he sweeps at Spider Man with an Uzi immediately. So Spider Man grabs his arm and breaks it. We're again two for two on those. Great shit. Uh, and there's a great little moment where Peter's like, "Pick up the gun. Pick it up with your good hand. Pick up that gun. Pick up the gun." Like, no, I'm not gonna pick up the gun. You're breaking my arm, Spider Man. Um. Peter unmasks and makes a big show out of beating Jake here, uh, now, now taking track. him down like to train tracks and tunnels and shit, asking him how it feels to be defenseless and, you know, making it very clear that he's about to kill Jake. Uh, and he tells him that the swiftness of that death depends on how quickly Jake can give up a name as to who commissioned this hit. Right before Spider-Man feels that a name was going to come on from him, somebody else shoots Jake, Jack Ruby style. Exactly. Uh, Peter manages to tag the assassin at the last second with a spider tracker on his heel with a with a let's go Mets baby throw. That's a sports joke. Let's go Mets. I'm new at those. Uh, You'll figure it out. <laughs> clinging to uh, Jake's ambulance, Jake very quickly dying of a gunshot wound. Uh, Peter ruminates on how ready he was and remains to kill. Uh, kill. They pull into, into the county hospital, which is the same one that May is being treated in. And MJ tells Peter that May is not going to make it, that only life support is what stands between life and death for May Parker. Meanwhile, Jake dies, and Peter feels the presence of the killer nearby and finds him outside on the phone relaying news of Martino's death to somebody. Uh, and saying, yeah, he died before he could squeal, blah, blah, blah. Peter webs the guy's mouth shut and takes the phone from him and hears instructions to clear out Jake's apartment and lie low. Peter knows the voice and begins speaking directly to Wilson Fisk himself. He greets yeah. Peter and asks what he can do for him. And Peter says he can die. You can die. Let's go. 
So that takes us uh, directly into the beginning of our third issue of Back in Black, where Kingpin says back to Spider-Man that he doesn't die. He has others die or kill for him, and that's the law of nature. Uh, uh, there's there's also a, a nice uh, there's a shot here of uh, Kingpin's cell where he's got like his his big fancy table, and he's, my favorite part is that he's got a giant portrait of himself uh, just in the background. Very in character, yeah. It's good. It reminds me a lot of Daredevil season two when he's just hanging out in prison trying to get shit done. Yeah, I've still not finished Daredevil. I'm going to get around to Daredevil is such a good show. Please watch that show. I I owe it to myself to finish it, I think. Uh, Peter retorts back that he's broken all kinds of laws in the last 48 hours, and he's not too concerned about rules of nature either. Uh, He hangs up on the kingpin and rips Webb painfully from the killer's face, demanding info on what's going on here. Uh, he threatens to beat, re, uh, rip the guy's still beating heart out of his chest, and the guy buys it that Peter would do something That's like that. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. Jake apparently knew something that the boss didn't want anybody to know. Peter senses this as him being told the truth, and as they're having this conversation, MJ begins to come outside and almost closes in on them, but Peter absconds with the killer in tow. Uh, Charlie the guard returns to Wilson Fisk and his giant Charlie the guard, his giant prison desk. And Fisk asks a favor of him. Uh, Fisk then begins to rip his desk apart by the handful and reveals that it's full of a giant Santa sack of money, like a cartoonish yeah. Wilson Fisk size sack of money. There are like there's like wads of hundred dollar bills like inside of the legs of the table, and he breaks it all apart. It's it's so yeah, like it's yes. fucking cartoonish. It's so funny. Uh, Charlie had said he would help him within the rules, but Fisk says this is uh, beyond rules. This favor uh, now holding what he calls a king's ransom. Fisk promises the oversized bag of cash to Charlie and the other guards if they look away at just a key moment tonight. Uh, the only other thing Fisk makes a demand of is his clothes. Uh, Jim, the man who killed uh, Jake Martino, is being dangled above rats in the sewer in a very uh, vermin-y kind of uh, like location uh, by Spider-Man, who is just hanging out in his clothes on a web down there, looking very evil. Uh, He's just chilling not- out. Not killing him directly, of course, but just hanging out in his plain clothes and exposits to Jim, the killer, about uh, the food chain again with the defenseless ant routine that we hear a lot of in this uh, arc. Uh, as the rats begin to swarm on Jim, Peter cuts him down by Captain America in a garbage lid at the web line and uh, tells Jim to tell everybody, everybody, that he is the predator here. That uh, his entire family is off limits forever. He's wearing the suit and he's just getting up in his grill and saying, I'm the predator. You're the prey. It's this I'm way the now. predator. He's going wacky mode. You're locked in here with me. Ah! Peter goes back to May and MJ uh, discussing May's condition. The cash is going very fast to keep May here. And of course, drawing attention as always. Peter recalls a great little Amazing Spider-Man 10 and 31 yeah. to 33 memory of saving May's life with his radioactive blood. A, a, a huge, huge throwback all the way to fucking ASM 10, uh, where Peter gives a blood transfusion uh, to May and it, and it fucks her up, which 
you know, ends up he has to end up fixing that in the Master Planner saga, which we will mm-hmm. end up talking about in our penultimate episode. Uh, so that's that's another a fun connection. And it's a little sepia toned memory he has in the panel behind him. It's uh, yeah, like where, with the where they're where they're, where, they're where, where they're drawn like like Ditko. Yeah. And it, where Peter has like a, a pencil head. Yeah, it, it's really fun. I like that part. Um, and w- with that having happened in their past, uh, they work to get the radiation out of her blood. And with the things that now exist in her blood due to that, Peter wants to make another direct transfusion with no doctors involved, just them. Uh, MJ steals the equipment that they would need to do this, and Peter manages to pull it off, uh, saying that he saved this idea for when neither of them had anything left to lose. Despite himself being weakened with blood loss, Peter says he has to go. And we get a great little sequence of like Peter suiting up again while Fisk simultaneously puts on his uh, suit as well. And yeah. Peter makes his way to the, pr- the maximum security prison that Fisk is held at. Uh, also, Charlie and the guards, uh, you know, they're looking the other way. All the prisoners have been released and are crowding this big arena like common area. And uh, while Fisk is down there, Peter also makes his debut crashing through the window and tells Fisk that it's the end of the road. It's you and me right now. The final showdown. Taking us swiftly now to the fourth issue here. Uh, Fisk welcomes Peter to this arena, uh, not his preferred venue for the meeting, but serviceable. Peter, stoic, silent, great, lots of great shots of him just standing there with his big bulbous white eyes and like the fury of God underneath it. Um, Peter's, of course, silent as Fisk continues on that he's surrounded in this prison by murderers, rapists, thieves, thugs, perverts and psychotics. (laughs) And but they all look down on one person collectively, the chump. One who believes that the greater good uh, is good because it is good, and it triumphs because it is good. And he accuses Peter publicly of being a chump for buying into the registration bullshit and how he supported a system that he is now hunted by, how he's been abandoned by his friends, living in squalor, and his aunt slowly dying because he couldn't take the bullet himself. Very just, you know... Fuck you on the horse you rode in on. Fuck Spider-Man you. Moment. Uh, he, the Kingpin is allowed to make one final comment about having to break a few old ladies to make an omelet before Peter lets <laughs> loose a flurry of brutal kicks and punches against the Kingpin uh, before leaping over him and staring him down silently still. Fisk notes still the silent treatment, pointing out to the crowd that Peter must be distressed by having nothing left in him but revenge. Peter takes this opportunity to further pummel Fisk, bloodying his face very much. Uh, Fisk calls this cheap theatrics, while Peter remains silent. Fisk yeah, implores this is, this is dem- ar- around here is where we get that that panel of just the black head with the, with the little white eyes. It's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Great. I, I think this is probably my favorite issue out of uh, the entire back and forth. Yeah, this I- is. This is really good. Uh, Fisk implores and demands that Spider-Man speak now, which Peter says, all right, I will. He exposits okay. that the suit represents. He, he actually It's just a huge panel where he just says, all right, and then starts saying shit. It represents a promise that uh, the suit does that all the things about all the things he said he would do and that he would never do. And the lines that he would never, ever cross because doing so would destroy what he stands for. 
And that is why Fisk is confused, Spider-Man says, because Spider-Man's not here to kill Fisk. He starts getting almost nude, completely disrobes, down to his boxers, becoming Peter Parker, saying, I'm here to kill you. Well, he just he just takes off the top and the mask and the gloves of the of the suit. He doesn't he tells like his pants and shoes on. He doesn't have. Oh, yeah, I guess I guess I had not rocking out down wrong in the first pass. He's not rocking out with his cock out like Craven. Right, right. Um, the crowd roars, and Peter doesn't hear it. He just begins brutally beating Fisk some more, slamming him around, kicking him in the face, wrist jabbing him in the nose. Uh, to him, the kingpin is no longer a man, but a target. Peter finally yeah, flings awesome. him across the room, saying that Fisk forgot something. That for all of his cruelty, his money, and his big talk, he has no actual power, and that he is but a fat man with an attitude, a balloon waiting for a needle, and that Peter is the needle. Oh, yeah! Uh, Peter further brutalizes Fisk, blood now pouring freely from most of his orifices, and uh, orifices. Lots, it, lots of mumbling about swearing to God that he's going to kill Peter. Uh, yeah, and then, and then Peter picks him up, and he holds him like... Uh, He's fucking he's holding him his chest like a cheap shirt like it's yeah. like, like his flesh is like folding like cloth and it's raw as fuck. He, he before that he orders him to stand and Fisk is like I can't I I'm, I uh, won't yeah. I can't. So Peter picks him up and just begins open hand slapping him across the face which has got to feel like a truck hitting you. Uh it's left right left right. And then says he's going to pour webbing down Fisk's throat. And uh, I, I'm not very well versed in this, like, specific time frame of Spider-Man, but apparently he's to organic webbing at this point in the comic. Yeah, this is this is this is organic webbing at this point. And he, he's got his wrist pressed right up to Fisk's throat. And he says, I'm going to fill your lungs with webbing, which could not possibly be cut out before you would asphyxiate to death. Uh, but before, you know, f- making good on that threat, Peter slams him again. And Fisk is like, if you're going to kill me, just fucking do it instead of drawing this out. Peter says, oh, I will kill you, but I never said it was going to be today. Uh, Peter goes on to say he learned something about cruelty and timing, saying that uh, he's done worse than kill Fisk tonight. Uh, He's beaten him badly and that every single man in this prison saw it. They're going to tell people who are going to tell people until the whole city, country and world know that Wilson Fisk was beat tonight. His massive pride is going to fuel his torment forever, and it's going to burn him, which is what Peter wants. Peter says yeah. that the moment that his aunt passes, he's going to be back to kill Fisk, and that there's nothing he can do to stop him. Just incredibly raw shit. It's great. And then, and then uh, he ends up he ends up turning to like the the peanut gallery of all the 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 other criminals that are in the jail, and he's like, "You touch them, you die, dudes rock." Yeah, you will experience this firsthand if you do what he did. Um, on his way out, Peter encourages Fisk to pray for every possible second of life for May, but not to count on God too much. Only Spider-Man. Only There is no uh, God, only Spider-Man. A defeated Fisk asks the crowd what they're looking at before he slinks back to his cell and Peter makes his grand exit. Back at the hospital, Peter says that he's almost done with what he had to do. But it's very clear now that May cannot stay in this expensive hospital any longer. Peter says all that they can do is wait for the inevitable. 
And the issue ends here with a great little parallel panel of May and Fisk laying in their respective beds, just, you know, wheezing and gasping and bleeding for different reasons. And we now begin the the final part of the good part of our evening here, uh, with the final issue of Back in Black. Peter is speaking with the comatose May, telling her about the transfusion he gave her and how he hopes it will help, thinking that they have the results by morning and that they should have some answers then. Uh, Peter goes out the window and steals the results, uh, webbing away from a distracted nurse who's on the phone about her personal life, and, and is aghast to find that it didn't work. Uh, he's, he's able to divine that May built up an immunity to his blood probably a long time ago. Uh, he's sharing this news when a priest comes along, asking if May will be requiring last rites, uh, and if she has funeral arrangements, if she's a good Catholic. Uh, at the police station, two cops are talking about May's gunshot wound case. There's no police report on file about it, no 911 call, but the hospital reported it per their policy on gunshots. Uh, it's also very noticed, of course, that they're paying in copious amounts of cash, so it's all kinds of suspicious all over. It's handed over to one of the detectives. Uh, as Peter struggles with the concept of a funeral and what that brings with it, May's beliefs, uh, he's questioned about what May believed in the most, before going on another monologue about how the thing she believed in most was me. And it's like, that's, that's, me. Not, that's nice, Peter, but like, does she want a Catholic funeral or what? That's what we're talking about. Just like, Pete, just let her go. Come on, man. There's going to be there's going to be a whole fucking heap of trouble if you don't. Just come mm -hmm. on. For oh, all I say. There sure is. Um, let, her, let her die for the love of God. He then for, ends this by saying, uh, you know, he, he thinks that belief in him might have cost her his, her life. Uh, the cop is now at the hospital and is told that May was logged in as a victim of a drive-by shooting and that the only ID that the patient's name is uh, associated with is a very old birth certificate. And that in the last 48 hours, there was a radiation change and spider venom detected in her blood report. Uh, the results were also stolen and a second copy had to be made so the cop is just as confused as the nurse as to what the fuck is going on with may riley yeah the nurse has a theory that mj's yet to be seen husband or boyfriend shot aunt may himself whether that was planned or a struggle or what may got herself to the hospital with a gunshot wound and figuring they would come to finish the job uh they being mj and people <laughs> um, <laughs> she's there and maybe Peter showed up and his gun went off when he tried to shoot her again and it broke the window explaining the Spider-Man delivery. It's just a very like, yeah, okay, sure moment. Sounds with, like, with sounds like some, some stupid story a cop would come up with. The cop deems this possible. It's like LA noir shit, I guess. Uh, but further suspects that MJ has been keeping May quiet and Peter could be poisoning her with spider venom. You get poisoned. Uh, regardless of what they think, they have enough info here to accuse MJ of committing a felony. So the cop heads up to the bed to the uh, bed where May is to confront them. Peter Spider sense goes off, and the cop knocks on the door, speaking to MJ, makes multiple threats to arrest her, and then the lights go out at Peter's doing. The equipment is still on, meaning that this was a deliberate move. And the cop handcuffs MJ to the door, prompting Peter to appear like fucking Michael Myers down in the hallway. Uh, ding, 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 da, da. 
<laughs> He's ordered to get on the floor and does not comply. Uh, okay. He immediately knocks the cop out, snaps the cuffs off of MJ, rather snaps him off the door, I think, or just the handle off yeah, the door. Yeah, st- snaps him straight off the door. And MJ's immediate concern is, Peter, you just assaulted an officer. And it's like, okay, who gives a fuck? Uh, <laughs> yeah, knocking out a cop is hardcore. No, no need to go all fucking woe is me about it, Pete. It's fucking he, hardcore. Yeah, he goes very instantly woe is me, reflecting on, I'm a criminal now. I'm a criminal. Uh, and then, but the whole conceit of this issue is, Peter goes through uh, the list of, of felonies that he, he uh-huh, commits uh-huh. trying to get out of the situation and get made to another hospital. Uh, and I think that that's a really cool little uh, uh, storytelling beat. And, you know, it would be awesome to pick it up, pick up with it in future issues and be like, have the sort of ramifications of that. But then, you know. Yeah. Future <sighs> issues. Peter tells MJ to run downstairs while he'll meet her. He ties the cop up, uh, making sure not to do so with webs to not tie Spider-Man to the case. And makes a mental note of how many felonies he's committed since uh, May was shot, totaling at four so far. Uh, We go from here to two EMTs eating at a 50s diner talking about relationship issues. Uh, Of course, one of them having ill communications with the suspicious nurse of all people. And outside, Peter jacks the ambulance for his fifth felony. After breaking back into the hospital, six, and stealing scrubs and disguising himself, uh, calling MJ and telling her to go, MJ fakes a heart attack thing happening in the lobby. Oh my god, there's a person having a heart attack. She's blue. You gotta help her. They hit the Pentagon. Uh, And steals a document for authorization of patient transfer, which is not good or legal. Uh, Peter then recklessly endangers his dying aunt, committing a seventh felony, by disguising her as a sheeted corpse and moving her to the morgue, taking her off a of life support. Uh, they get May situated in the stolen ambulance and drive her across town to another hospital and get her moved to a room there, fudging some story about, oh, they didn't call? They're, uh, we're overstaffed. You're, you're overfilled and overbooked? Oh no, understaffed. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Here's an old lady. You need to take her. She's gonna die. Um, they forge a Ben Parker MD signature, felony eight and nine there, and escort May to her room, trying not to cry all the while. Uh, Peter has to drop off the ambulance a safe distance away, ruminating on the life sentence he's looking at if convicted of his litany of felonies. And Back in Black wraps up with a dejected, depressed, and tired Peter lamenting that he is, oh God, help him, so lost, so lost. So lost. It's a little melodramatic, but I, I like the way that the story ends. It's like, yeah, you're in a, you've, it. Shit is fucked up all because you you just couldn't let your your grandma. You couldn't let your aunt go. Yeah, um, I wrote my own synopses for this as opposed to, to finding ones to build off of this time around. And anytime I looked into this, they referred to the five parts as parts one, two, three, four and never part five, but the incident on the whatever floor. And I was like, like the okay. fourth floor. I mean, you that's just call it part that's, five. <laughs> that's what it's titled. But in the corner, it says back back in black part five of five. Just very confusing. The same thing. Copy pasted all the time. Like when you look up tabs for a song and it's the same. Yeah. on it's, every site. It's 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 weird. Uh, but now we get to talk about uh, we get to talk about one more day. One more I, day. I, I, I have like issues. I have like so I have like so few notes for one more day. Yeah, let, I just I just kind of I just kind of speed read through it because I'm like, uh, 
I this was my first time, so I, I took my time and it telegraphs a lot of what it is along the way, but we'll get into that. Yeah, but I mean, I just read, for... I just read fast in general, but uh, at some points I was, I just you know didn't really write you know, a lot of notes down because I'm like I don't have much to say about this. It's really funny you mentioned that. I think I read all of uh, all five issues of uh, Back in Black and something like two hours of leisurely reading time, just like taking my time with it, you know, glancing at it. I think I ate a meal at some point. It took me like to like a half hour each to read uh, one more day. It was just like, no, fuck. Oh, God. Oh, please just finish already. <laughs> um, but here we are. Spider-Man one more day, beginning with Peter lamenting about the events proceeding uh, and how they're entirely his fault. He never should have revealed his identity. He should have left May and MJ alone, and they should have skipped town, state, earth, gone anywhere. He says that uh, it should be on him. Rather, he should be the one on that table, and that uh, he would give anything to have just one more day with May. Uh, we get a, a, our, our first little nod at the cosmic with a bird looking in at the window and narration about worlds turning on such thoughts because the universe hears them. The only question is whether or not the universe will actually listen this time. When it turns out that uh, payment will be necessary to keep her out of a charity ward, Peter snaps a bit and more, you know, uncharacteristic Peter ah, shit, scary Bilbo. Uh, the doctor tries to calm him down by telling him that May has no idea where she is and that if they had insurance, things would be a lot different, which is, you know, very calming thing to hear. Uh, May is just about considered a lost cause. None of the big ticket treatments are going to help her. Peter says, you know what, fuck this, I'm going to go off and secure funds, and is stopped on the way out by the doctor. He recognizes Peter uh, underneath the fake name, the fake ID, all the bullshit. He's like, I know you, you're Spider-Man. I'm going to help you. I love you. Uh, the doctor will do what he can to hide her from the hospital, but uh, he can only stall so much. So go, comrade doctor. Peter says he's yeah. It's a cool sure. little moment. It's a cool little moment with the doctor. Yeah, that's uh, that's. I, 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 I love to see things that I loved so much about it. Yeah, I I love to see little moments where uh, Peter runs into people that have been helped by Spider Man. They're like, yeah, you go, Spider Man. It's really cool. Hmm. Um, it's like the one really good moment from this comic. Yeah, as opposed to the the tenant landlord guy in the first one it's like hey i I fought vietnam or whatever spider-man rules it's you know this is a lot better despite this comic being way worse um peter says he's gonna make sure and try like hell to make sure that the doctor hasn't doesn't have to stall for long and on his way out reflects on how weird it is to be swinging maskless uh on his way to stark tower he tries to let himself in but all of the access codes have been changed so he breaks in with his spider strength. Tony is sitting either nude or just in boxers or something in his in his security chair, watching all of his Ozymandias screens. Yeah, he's sitting in the chair like the guy uh, in The Matrix Reloaded, uh, who is like in control of everything in front of all his TVs. Yeah, uh, he, he tries to see who it is, but the cameras are knocked out and he tries to find out via the motion sensors. But whoever's there is too quick for them. So he starts, you know, his little nano suit up and he, it morphs over him. Iron Man intercepts Peter breaking into his office and slams him through the window and asks him what the hell he's doing. Uh, Peter webs him up and they take the fight down to the street where Tony asks Peter if he's lost his mind. 
Tony says he's going to arrest Peter, who not only turned on him, but the government. And there are, of course, penalties for that. But Peter notices that the charged repulsor glove pointed at him is about to overheat. And Tony's like, oh, yeah, you're going to bet your life on that. And Peter says he will. And Dex Tony in the face, scraping his knuckles. Tony yeah, fucking Iron Man fight. Let's go. Yeah, it's just very immediate, like zero to 100 here. Uh, you know, say what you will about who you agree with with all the Civil War shit. I, I think it, I just think it's interesting here to see them, you know, in this scenario with I need your money, you fucker. Help me. Um, Tony hits Peter with a fully charged Unibeam, temporarily blinding him. Uh, so with one of his senses crippled here, Peter decides to let go fully and totally empty the tank, so to speak, uh, with his organic web, because he's never done that before. Uh, just letting it go and throwing caution to the wind and uh, pissing into the wind, so to speak. Uh, he's pissing. He's pissing. Just absolutely pissing web, yeah. <laughs> Wondering what will happen when he's spent. Uh, when he opens his eyes and they're usable again, He's fully cocooned Tony and the entire alleyway in his webbing. Uh, underneath all of this, Tony tells Peter that he can't run or hide. Somebody is eventually going to find him. Uh, Peter rips off Tony's helmet and tells him May is dying and it's his fault. Tony's fault, that is. Uh, Peter says he trusted Tony. Tony was like a father to him and he trusted him when he said he had to give up his identity. Peter fully lays out his accusations, and Tony only meekly replies that he's sorry and he didn't know. Uh, Peter says he doesn't want any apologies, but he wants to start to do something about it. While Peter may not be innocent, May is, and Peter implores Tony to donate to her well-being, or... And Tony says Peter is in no position to make threats, but Peter says no, that wasn't a threat or... The or is that May is going to die in a charity ward, and you like her because she's a nice old lady, and you can't let that happen. Uh, Tony says he doesn't want that, of course, but can do nothing about it without compromising his position. He'd be aiding and abetting a known criminal. Uh, at this point, his repulsors kick back on and he fights out of the web and says that he's going to let Peter walk for now out of respect for May. But next time he's taking him in, wanted criminal. Uh, mm -hmm. After crying for Tony to wait, Peter smashes the Iron Man helmet. All pissed ah. off. Tony gets a bottle of water and tells Jarvis to do something for him. Jarvis uh, the butler, not Jarvis the AI. Yeah, of course, I should specify. Uh, Peter returns to the hospital and finds that there is no change in May, spoiler, and that she's going to the charity ward. Peter says he's a criminal already. He'll get the money however he has to. He'd sell his soul if he had to. Whoa. And that's when Mr. Jarvis chimes in that that might not be necessary after all, sir. Because his cousin May Morgan from Blackpool is here and shot. And he has up to $2 million in his account that he can use to keep May where she is. Peter knows this is, of course, Tony actually helping after they fought and said, fuck you, I'm not helping you, idiot. And then helped him anyway. Uh, he knows it's not going to happen again. Peter won't accept that these are most likely May's last days, and that there's nothing that can be done, but Peter still says that he will stop at nothing from saving her, taking us to the second issue of One More Day Now. Issue two. May is moved from the charity board back to a private room, but she is still going to die. In desperate need of a miracle, a now regular-suited black and... out of the black, regular-suited red and blue Spider-Man it's Doctor Strange at the Sanctum Santorum. And oh this my is God, where Peter, come on. 
some of the plot elements uh, from this are, of course, from what the trailers look like. Uh, we're very we're going to be seeing some of this type of stuff in uh, No Way Home. Uh, not necessarily, of course, uh, a, a straight adaptation of this story, but uh, it, we've talked about it before on the podcast. It looks like we're going to see a lot of this kind of meetup happen in the new movie. So I'm interested to see this go in that direction. But this was a slog. And that's yeah, I, 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 I'm interested to see a good version of this. It's very shitty here. Um, yeah, it's yeah, just, it's just goes, it's just more it's just more beat. Most of this, the entire series, basically all of all of uh, one more day is Peter beating around the bush. It's like, oh, I don't want to let my aunt, who is an old woman uh, and has lived a good life, uh, die. It's like, oh, I don't want to. Uh, Doctor Strange, can you help me? And he, uh... yeah, it's it's nobody's favorite, and if it is, you're a complete you're a freak. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Parker, you are a freak. Uh, Strange Parker. allows Peter to enter the sanctum, and Peter catches up uh, Strange to speed. Strange talks about how his hands were fucked, and there was nothing he that could be done for him. But you know, the master, the the ancient one, changed everything for him. Strange is also of the correct opinion that May should die now, uh, because she will soon anyway. But Peter persists, imploring Stephen to help him. Uh, Strange reveals the hands of the dead, which allow one to enter the tides of space and time, travel the world, and be in several places, in an attempt to seek out someone who may be able to help. Peter is then everywhere and nowhere, with every person telling him that there's nothing they can do. He sees black, just a short list. He sees Black Panther, Reed Richards, even Doc Ock, Morbius, and Doctor Doom, uh, saying he went to those who would see him dead out of desperation, and even they must understand. And like, I can't imagine Doctor Doom being anything like, are, are, are you fucking kidding me? Fuck your stupid aunt. I hate you. Get out of here. Yeah. There's a specifically, there's a Doctor Doom, uh, there's a there's actually a Doctor Doom Doctor Strange crossover comic that I really really want to read. It's about uh them trying to go and and rescue the soul of Doctor Doom's mom. Oh my god. Uh, it's it, apparently it's really really good and I'd like to read it. Uh but just knowing that that comic exists, I'm like, you know, he might help uh Aunt May, but you know, he can't help her because she's an old woman and she's been shot and she's in a coma and she's going to die and you need to let her <laughs> go, like- Peter. Not that kind of doctor, Peter. Uh, the answer is always the same. Uh, nothing can be done for May. Returning, Peter laments that nothing has helped, and Strange says that this is probably what you needed to hear, Peter. Uh, Strange leaves the room when hearing a knock, uh, or some disturbance or something. He has to go tend to something. Uh, and Peter's like, I know Latin. I can do this. And attempts to do what Strange said not to do and fuck with the temporal fabric of reality itself. Uh, Strange hears this and cries out for Peter to stop. And Peter (sighs) finds himself as a ghostly Ben Kenobi visage in the sniper's nest a minute before the shot. Physically, he can do nothing to the sniper that he tries to assail immediately. Uh, So he floats outside to see his other self, who is semi-aware of Peter being there. They're psychically connected by Spider-Sense, but there's, like, no direct interaction. Um, He sees his other self and uh, is stopped by a gang of weird nightmare xenomorph aliens uh, who can harm him. He's stopped by the Langoliers. 
yeah, Nightwalkers, they're later revealed to be called. Uh, they, they're they stupid, and I hate them. They're, uh, they're literally just the Langoliers from the Stephen King story. They eat, they eat time. They can harm him, but he can't touch them. Escaping them, Ghost Peter tries to take the bullet himself, uh, but it still hits May, with Peter still saving MJ. Uh, Strange is able to pull Peter out of this, banishing the creature closing in on him. And he gives a little exposition about Nightwalkers. They live on the edge of time and space, and they exist to prevent destiny from changing. Uh, more strange exposition as he flies them home and says that Peter's non-material self is wounded and dying, so they need to act quick. They have to go further back in time to an empty Sanctum Santorum to prevent you know, any shenanigans from happening back to the future style. Peter begins the hurtful healing process in, in, in the, the healing room, and Strange has to go answer the door. Uh, and he's very insistent that Peter don't come out here for this. Uh, Peter is in the room healing, can't leave the room, because on the other side of the door is a past Peter, who now Peter desperately wants to tell the future to, but can't. Uh, the magic healing is almost done. Strange returns and says that he can help Peter now because his wounds are magic, but cannot help May, whose wounds are not magic, whose wounds are bullet, and it is not his... Whose wounds you know, are bullet? <laughs> it's not his thing. He can't do this. It's not uh, It's not his position to give her more life. Yeah, Strange it's, it's, it, is, yeah. It, is, it is cool to see Doctor Strange. I always like to see Doctor Strange, but this, he's well this, done whole, here, yeah. this whole issue is just beating around the bush. It's like, I hate the way Peter is written in this story. It's terrible. And also, there's I don't remember exactly which moment. I didn't write it down in my note. But the art in this whole series kind of sucks. Yeah, like, no, I, I, Peter looks like a caveman a lot of times with like a little like, like thin lip and big eyebrows and just shading for eyes. Like, there, like there's some moments where uh, they do what I call bagly face, uh, yeah, where yeah. it's like really harsh not good looking lighting uh and they look like uh oblivion characters uh the yeah cover of i think issue three may looks like fucking palpatine yeah everybody everybody's fucking everybody's got bagley face this whole series which just absolutely uh, sucks for me because i love how bagley draws suits i just hate how he draws everything else yeah well if you, if you don't know i've made reference to this before in the podcast uh there i i really do not like the way mark bagley does the art for uh ultimate spider-man uh he makes everybody look like uh he has a lot of weird harsh lighting that looks bad as they pull are really extreme and, and makes and makes everybody's face look like they're from the elder scrolls for oblivion uh, but that that's that's a that's a this is a phenomenon that even has affected uh, Joe Casada's art, which I haven't read anything else that Joe Casada has has drawn. But if it's if it's anything like the rest of this, I don't really want to. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agreed. Yeah. Um, God, especially not the shit that he he writes like the words. That's even more fucked up. Now that uh, Peter is healed to the best of his ability, uh, Peter and Strange return to their bodies and their time. Strange implies that May's spirit is alive and she can hear Peter, who should be spending time with her as she dies, and reflects on not having been able to say goodbye to so many of his loved ones. Strange says, thanks for coming over, stop, Don't, thanks for stealing my shit and using it wrong, get out. Thanks for the adventure. Uh, and dismisses <laughs> the dejected Peter, who runs into a little girl on the street, 
who can like read his mind and tells him that things that she can change things even if he can and with the introduction of this little weird child we are halfway through one more day lex no halfway fucking there no spider-man questions the child uh saying that she shouldn't be on the street this late at the beginning of issue three here I'm going to uh, I'm going to just say this right now. Uh, we're going to I'm going to wait to say who the little girl actually is uh, before the, the actual reveal in issue four. But like yeah. I already immediately figured out who it was like. It's not hard. Peter's a smart guy. Why he didn't put two and two together on this one. It, it, I hate the way they write Peter in this whole series. Yeah, he's, he's uh, not really a context clues guy. But I mean, like, it's an interesting story beat. I think it's clever. Uh, but, you know, I wish it would have been done better and wasn't, you know, Mephisto like at all. Yeah. Uh, this this weird little child uh, goads Peter about his protective nature and says that uh, she can help him and asks him if he wants to save his aunt's life, but has to follow her. And he follows her for a bit, but then she snaps and calls him selfish and says that as long as Peter can sleep with a good conscience, he doesn't care who has to pay for it. And that revenge makes Peter feel big. Peter's like, okay, those are big ideas for a kid. That's weird. And the kid runs down an alley. So Peter gives chase. Uh, He comes across a guy on a bench reading a book. At at, at first, it's an Ayn Rand book. I want to say it's Atlas Shrugged. That could be wrong. Later, it's 1984. Yeah, it changes to 1984. I I, I wonder if they did that on purpose or if it was just uh, the Joe Casada forgot. Yeah, because it only changes that one time, I think. Um, yeah. he, uh, Peter sees this guy reading the book, uh, insufferable guy and says, Hey, did you see a kid? And he's like, yeah, I saw a kid. It's, it's her. She vanishes a lot. Peter's like, so what's your deal, dude? Who, who are you? And the guy says he works in computer games. <laughs> he's uh, a gamer. Peter's like, that sounds fun. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a gamer because there's something missing in my life. I wanted the chance to be a hero. Uh, we read books and we play games because this isn't the world we were supposed to get. He does that like five times. We were supposed to get. And it's like, oh, oh Peter, you get what's happening yet? He uh, uh, he said he'd be grateful if he could do what Peter could do because the world doesn't get that chance. Peter just kind of fucks off from this conversation and is stopped by a guy uh, rolling down his window in the back passenger seat of what is like a Rolls Royce and says, hey, I saw the girl. I'll give you a ride. And the guy's in his limo. He has a Stark type like screens and gadgets and shit inside and offers Peter a drink. Peter's like, no, sir, I'm a good boy. Don't I I don't want it. Uh, And the old man's like, well, I went to school here and I was I was bullied. And uh, then I became uh, everyone else was a a jock and successful and I had nothing. And then I became an inventor at 19 and a multimillionaire billionaire. And now all my bullies work for me because I'm Todd Howard and everybody sucks. Peter remarks that the guy must be happy now that he has everything. And the old man reflects on a lost love that uh, he lost connection with. And that's he doesn't have everything. Uh, The car stops and uh, uh, Peter's company to another alley. And the guy says that he would trade all of his lavish trappings for his woman back. The one he loved, the one who loved him truly and honestly, but beyond the money and everything. And, uh, See, even this guy, who it is also op- very obvious who it is, even this guy knows you got to pick your wife. Yeah, absolutely. Come on, Peter. Be real. Uh, the man vanishes, leaving Peter with a mysterious woman in red. Peter is very sure he's dreaming at this point, and the lady elaborates that dream cells 
elves are as real as our waking selves, and at the crossroads the twain meet. And Peter has been speaking with his alternate selves. Uh, uh -huh. with, with just a nudge, destiny can shift very suddenly. Peter could have become a greasy gamer incel slob, or he could have uh, proved his worth via his anger, grinding out science like a madman, leading to Parker Industries and becoming Rolls-Royce man. Uh, he, he would prove himself to everyone but himself. In nearly every life, Peter winds up alone. This is where Mephisto reveals himself. Mephisto! As the, as the only one who can save Aunt May. Peter imagines Mephisto uh, wants his soul, but Mephisto says he stopped making that deal ages ago. It's too noble, too heroic, and too much a win for the victim. They get to, you know, relish in eternity knowing that their suffering means they won. Uh, Mephisto implies he wants something grander and tells Peter that MJ is behind him in a hotel room. Uh, he bursts in and finds the real-ass MJ in there, and she's asking if what Mephisto says is, could possibly be true. If he can save May with whatever bargain this is. Mephisto says uh, that it will come at the price of what uh, brings Peter the most joy, the most happiness, and what sustains him. Not Peter's soul or life, but his marriage. Okay, uh, so obviously the, the, the famous panel is, uh, the, uh, is Peter's like, what do you want? And then Mephisto's like, I want your marriage. And it's, and like, it's like, Peter's obviously... Like, I. What? This is, uh, you know, this is a thing that everybody knows, and it's like, but j even just reading it, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. obviously, if you don't know, One More Day exists to do a continuity reboot, because as we talked even way back in uh, fucking our Craven's Last Hunt episode and our uh, Clone Saga episode specifically, uh, a lot of people at Marvel do not like the Peter MJ wedding for some reason, because they're idiots. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they've for years they've tr been trying to figure out how the fuck do we get rid of this marriage. Uh, and they they tried so many things. They tried the clone saga, which ended up blowing up in their faces. Uh, and now they've come up with their new hot idea. Uh, straight from the for, straight from the the mind of uh, their editor in chief, who was going through a divorce at the time. Uh. Let, let demon divorce. How about demon divorce? That might work. This is what happened in my marriage, so I'm going to make it happen in the comic. Exactly. Uh, it is incredible. It's 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 so stupid. It's I don't know. Yeah. I've I'm not the first person to say it. It's very well known that one more day is a stupid, stupid comic. There's nothing. Uh, I but can you know say what? That Lex isn't already just saying here. Yeah. But you know what the most fucked up thing is, Alex? What's that, Lex? They killed uh, Aunt May in the Clone Saga. They already mm -hmm. killed her. She already died. But now, when, at this time, when May and May is going to die, they're like, oh no, we have to save her. But I'll sacrifice my marriage fault. to Satan. Ah! He should have just married Satan. This comic sucks. Peter immediately begins to reject Mephisto's offer, but MJ wants to hear him out. Mephisto says he's going to allow them one more day to cherish what they have and says they won't remember this deal or the life they lived to this point. A small part of them will know, but never consciously, and his joy will come from the screams of that part. They have until midnight tomorrow to decide, and at that instant, it's either the marriage or May's life. The world that they know is at an end either way. 
And we enter the final issue, echoing number three's Mephisto lines about not remembering the deal and the small part that remembers. Overlaid on a flatlining heart monitor. And specifically, Peter... this this is the one issue out of all that we're talking about that is written by Joe Casada uh-huh. uh, instead of J. Michael Straczynski, because I don't know if you're going to talk about this in the uh, trivia section, but they they, right they, they kind of they kind of had a, a conflict over uh, where this story went. And J. Michael Straczynski, Tris- J. Michael Straczynski was like, "Fuck this shit, I'm out of here. You write this shit, Joe." <laughs> yeah, you know what? If you think you can do it, do it. But we'll we'll get uh, we'll get there when we get there. Peter Jolt's uh, awake in bed without MJ, wearing his uh, suit. She's in the bathroom asking for silence for a minute to digest what has just happened. She wants to know if Mephisto is telling the truth and also coughs and moans a few times in, in agonizing nausea and says she has a selfish question. May has had a good long life. She's been kept alive and going. Every moment of Peter's life has been fighting for her. Keep fighting all odds. What if it's just her time, Peter? What if the right thing to do yeah. is the sensible thing and just let her die? And Peter would have guessed. Again, Peter again, wanna, but once again, busts out the nope, nope, my fault. It may be if it was in her sleep, but no, uh, I, this is my fault. And it's like, okay, Peter, whatever. Fuck you. This is like there, there's awful. there's also we also get a great bagley face uh, right when he's like standing in the doorway and there's like the light coming in on him. He looks so terrible. I think uh, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a classic Bagley face, even though it's not drawn by Bagley. Uh, May, May but was... but also but also like th- this whole thing where he's like, maybe if she died, but she got shot and it's my fault. And it's like, oh, my God, can it with the fucking responsibility shit? Nobody cares, dude. Come yeah. on. Satan is trying to steal your marriage and your response. So you're uh, you're ah. just call Daredevil and have him fight because they're both devils and it will cancel out. Exactly. Matt would beat the fuck out of Mephisto, and the problem would be solved. MJ is rightfully perturbed by all of this and says Peter is putting her in a bad position. Peter says that they're in this together and that they have less than 24 hours. And they spend, I don't know how much of this time, they spend a considerable amount of that time just holding each other motionlessly in lots of panels, which is admittedly an interesting, nice moment. Yeah, I did. I did just shit on the art. Uh, and I generally think Joe Casada doesn't do a great job here, uh, but that that little four panel of MJ's reaction, and then and then the splash page of them, you know, laying on the floor. I think that that's that's a really good little moment. Yeah. Uh, Peter tries to relive some memories out loud, but MJ shushes him, saying she remembers every little detail, and nothing can take that from her. She begins we- weeping when Peter asks what that means, and Mephisto appears. Peter demands to know how this deal works. And Mephisto essentially says they will never have been married. A stitch of time undone, not the entire world. That they uh, that they don't understand, but they don't need to. MJ points out that the deal still sucks, because Peter will have still been outed, committed crimes, and may still have been grievously wounded. Mephisto explains that their love is the greatest love of all, and particularly blessed. And to deny God a victory like that is unimaginable in cost. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, that mm-hmm. was the part that made me fucking laugh so much. She's like, dude, God, your love God's is so cool. And, Spider Man. Cool and powerful and godly. It's like, dude, if I, if I, if I uh, retcon your marriage, God will be so mad. Like, kill me now, God, please. God's got a Spider Man Funko Pop, and he's like, yeah, I made that guy. 
straight up, why did they think this was a good idea? Straight up. Did they did they like proofread this? Did they did they write this comic like how I write essays where I just write it and then turn it in? Like don't even look at look at it after that? It's part of a thought experiment where all the editors were replaced by monkeys with typewriters. Exactly. This is fucking embarrassing. MJ demands that if they go along with this, she wants Peter to have his entire old life back and says she can offer Mephisto something to sweeten the pot for this deal. He asks her what? And she whispers it to him. And if you have, like, literacy, you know what it is. This seems to intrigue Mephisto greatly, who asks Peter for his consent for the deal. MJ says it'll be all right. And they if you would, say, If you would mind uh, just kind of telling the audience what exactly she says. Uh, me have baby, me give you baby. Oh, go, go, bye, go, boo, baby. Uh, MJ is pregnant with a possible child that could have been the, the weird little girl in the alley. But, uh, to sweeten the pot, Peter will get his old life back and can be the hero, be her hero. In, ex- in exchange for the baby, like... <sighs> Hey, God, check it out. I got their baby. And, and like, uh, Peter couldn't put two and two together and be like, hmm, that the, the way that she talks and the way that she looks, she <laughs> might be my daughter. Hmm, this weird little redheaded girl who is smart and looks like MJ. Oh, well, who knows? Uh, who knows? Who makes, makes reference to her mother and father? Mm-hmm. Mar- Marvel editors just really do not want Mayday Parker to happen. They hate no. them. They hate us as a society so much. Editors hate this one simple character. God, if they if they actually let Mayday be canon, that'd be fucking dope. Uh, with a with a snarl of rage, Peter says to do it. Peter realizes slash is outright told that the little girl he saw in Dreamtown was his daughter with MJ that he won't have now. Excuse you, excuse you. He doesn't snarl. He goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's close. Yeah. Uh... Um. Peter and MJ are both gutted, and this pleases Mephisto greatly, and MJ has to hold Peter back from attacking him directly. In their final seconds, MJ says she knows her and Peter are meant to be, and whatever is undone here doesn't matter. Not God or the devil or anyone can keep them apart, and that she's right about these things. And as the Parkers express their love for each other one final time, they embrace and kiss, and we get an echo of the tiger jackpot line fading into Peter waking up in his old bed at Aunt May's place. Old childy, oh, gee whiz, Peter. Oh, love you, Aunt May. You're cooking for me. Wowie. Uh, He literally just wants to keep being a man-child. That's literally why he does it. That's what Marvel wanted for him, yeah. They fucked Peter up so much. Why? He pinches his cheeks and is like, oh, you look so peaceful in your sleep. And it's like, God Uh damn it. And like the uh, reason the reason they did this was because Joe Casada was like, I want Spider-Man to be fresh for the youth for like the last 10 or 20 more years. And like, Alex, when you started reading Spider-Man comics. Yeah. Spider-Man was married, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. When I started reading Spider-Man comics, uh, when I was a child, Spider-Man was married. That didn't affect our enjoyment of the story. We it's not no. like we couldn't relate to Peter Parker because he was a married man. 
Yeah, no, it was never like, oh, wow, he's, that's, that's the thing that alienates him for me. It was like, okay, he loves somebody a lot. Big deal. You, you, you know what you know what you want to do if you want to go read the, 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 the if you want to be a, see a Spider-Man story where he's a young guy in school or whatever, just read the old stories. They reprint them all the goddamn time. <laughs> They're right there. Today they, is they, a, uh, sorry, go ahead. Did you have more? I mean, not really. I mean, it's just, it's, <laughs> uh, I got uh, you, man. Today's a big day. Uh, Peter is on his way to a surprise party and is biking there and singing Simon and Garfunkel out loud to himself, which is painfully relatable for me. Uh, and races inside the destination building, taking the elevator up. And there's a lot of diatribe dialogue in this about like, oh, I, I love it. It's part of the surprise party. Just trying to be funny at the end. And it's like, fuck, dude, we don't need this right fuck now. Fuck you. Uh, He's greeted loudly by Flash Thompson, asking him where he's been. The haha. They briefly chat about MJ, who notices them over in the corner. And Peter's like, oh, things are still rocky with her. I don't know if she'll ever forgive me for. And that's when he gets shushed for uh, the surprise guest is about to arrive. And it is our old pal, Harry Osborne, looking like they traced over a picture of Steve-O. Uh, I don't know if you go back and look at it. He looks like fucking Steve-O with wave check, hair. wave check. He's back, back from Europe and fresh out the do rag. It is Harold Osborne, fresh out the do rag uh, from his, rehab. He's it was wavy as fuck and here to drink. Uh, Peter is wowed by Harry's pretty blonde girlfriend, Lily, and catches up with Harry and Flash. He also meets Carly Cooper, Lily's best friend, and uh, he kind of fades out of the convo for a minute, noticing MJ leaving in an elevator dejected and snaps back to Carly. Harry insists on a champagne toast, but boring old Peter refuses a drink. Peter says, speak of the devil and whatnot, and uh, as the group toasts the idea of a brand new day, we reach the end of our shit here with the timeline it's, it's reset. Over. It's over. <sighs> All right, Alex, you, you got to do any. Uh, I'm not. These are not. These are not fun facts. These are facts. Yeah. Do you have any facts, facts about this? About the, these comics? More for one more day than I do for Back in Black. Yeah. But as far as Back in Black goes, really the only big like, I couldn't find a lot any crazy behind the scenes stuff about it. But I didn't know about this uh, when I looked into it. There is a what if issue revolving around Back in Black, asking uh, what if Mary Jane was shot instead of Aunt May. I don't know if you knew about this either. Um, in the main, yeah, movie, I heard of it. Aunt May did not die instantly. Uh, the what if explores the consequences of MJ dying from the shot. Uh, when she's shot and killed, Peter is also uh, wounded in the back. Uh, but the sniper believes him dead and begins to leave, only to be caught by a very much alive Peter who kills him with his own gun. Peter then tells Aunt May what he has done and puts the black suit on. From then on, he uh, begins a vendetta killing streak against uh, Wilson Fisk and also fights through Iron Man and S.H.I.E.L.D. to get to him. It also ends with a standoff between Peter and Fisk, with Aunt May being used as a bargaining chip. Uh, she'll be killed if Peter attacks Fisk. He attacks Fisk anyway and shoves his arm through the Kingpin's chest and quickly disarms one of the other two guards. Uh, he scares the other one into laying down his weapon. Aunt May disowns him as her nephew after witnessing this, and Tony Stark has Peter arrested. So yeah, there's that if you care about that. Uh, 
uh, it's a lot of grim, dark bullshit in comparison to what really happened. That's Excellent. really all I have for Back in Black. One More Day is a little more scattered. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski was drafted to write the story since Joe Quesada knew he would be ending his run soon, and he felt introducing this generation-dividing retcon would be best with the changing of writers, since the backlash of what happened would not be seriously blamed on the new guy starting out, while he could have a clean slate. Quesada stated that JMS didn't question the intent of the sub-story, i.e. Peter and MJ's marriage dissolving and shaking up the status quo, but rather he was angered over the fact that Quesada didn't allow him to fully explain the story and that he didn't get to write it the way he wanted. Things reached a boiling point when JMS outright threatened to not put his name on the final two issues. JMS later said that while he respected Quesada and accepted that Spider-Man is Marvel's baby, and as editor-in-chief it was Quesada's call on how to handle the IP, he still disagreed uh, with the idea of erasing the marriage, but was willing to play company man and write the story, even though he hated it. He saw One More Day as a stopping-off point for the run and hoped to end it with a good enough clean slate that still maintained most of the story points going forward, uh, he also disagreed with the logistics of Mephisto and Quesada's it's magic, we don't have to explain it, and the fact that the retcon virtually negated his entire run and the character's development that he had written. JMS finally disagreed with the idea that it was MJ rather than Peter who made the deal, feeling that it was too cowardly on Peter's part to pass the buck, and that it was out of character for him to not take responsibility for the guilt of the action. So that's about the, the brunt of the drama that surrounds it that we touched on earlier. Yeah, and I mean, I haven't read a whole lot of the JMS run, but uh, from what I've heard, generally, the JMS run is considered to be like some of the best uh, married Peter stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, go, go there's there's whole big gigantic volumes of the JMS run that are compiled together. Go go read those. Mm-hmm. Don't uh, read this. In Spain, one of the countries where Spider-Man is the most popular, the whole deal with the devil situation is referred to as the Mephistazo. There is no English equivalent, and it basically means the Mephisto screw-up. Uh, <laughs> the Mephistazo! It is a full-blown meme among Spaniard comic geeks. Let's fucking go. Go Spain. Uh, there is an actual storyline in the newspaper comic of Spider-Man with almost the exact same plot as One More Day, except at the end it's revealed it was all a dream. <laughs> I wish. Uh, the story is also the basis for the, another story in Daredevil Annual Volume 6, number one. Uh, I think that ties over with some of the stuff that Fisk was talking about. Uh, lastly, what I have here uh, for one more day is that the events of this plot were partially undone during Nick Spencer's run of Amazing Spider-Man. Where in the, in the conclusion of the overall Kindred saga... Uh, it revealed Mephisto's true reason to undo the Parker's marriage was that he he confesses he was haunted by visions of his inevitable reign over the Earth being thwarted by the heroic efforts of either Peter Parker or his daughter, Spider-Girl. His deal with the Parkers was intended to prevent at least one version of this future from happening. However, the fear about the uncertainty of his future ended up causing the devil to once again conspire to corrupt Peter's soul in, an attempt, in order to snatch it away and ensure that nothing could impede his reign, something that ultimately led to his machinations being discovered by Doctor Strange, who in turn managed to free Peter from his deal with the devil after beating Mephisto in a game of chance. That's a whole lot of words to just say, nuh-uh. Well, you know, good on Nick, good on Nick Spencer for uh, trying to fix that shit and doing it in a way that makes at least a minor amount of sense because of yeah. with, with the mess that he was given after uh, Dan slots around. 
truly a, a full diaper of a of a story. A full a full diaper. That's that's the best way to explain one more day. It is a full <laughs> diaper. It is nowhere nearly an empty diaper. Uh, Alex. Uh, yeah, buddy. Since, since that's the last of your facts, what what are what are your overall opinions on Back in Black and One More Day? Back in Black can, like I said early on, it can be cringe with some of the the, the things Peter says and does, but like I do like it. I don't like it. Out of, out of all the stuff that we've read so far, I like it the least of the stuff I like, you know, but yeah. uh, it was still worth a read and I enjoyed reading it and it went very quickly. Um, one more day dragged and the ending, especially like the last two issues specifically are just fucking hard reads. If you care about the character, if you give a shit about the story and how it develops, it is just incredible that anybody, let alone editors in chief and 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 like veteran people like this, thought this is what people wanted. And maybe it, you know, maybe it isn't even that they thought this is what people wanted. Maybe this is just at the end of the day what they wanted more than what they wanted people to want. Uh, I highly recommend Back in Black, especially if you're looking for a different kind of Peter. If you liked stuff like Craven's Last Hunt, where there's a little more edge to him, um, I cannot recommend One More Day to anybody except for people that might want to know what is being referenced in No Way Home, but even then, just fucking Google is your friend. You don't need to waste your time. That That's where yeah, I stand. What about you? I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty simple. What, black and Black good, One More Day bad. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, One More Day was, like, like you said, Back and Black had some, some cringier problems, but I was more willing to forgive those because I liked where it was going generally. Uh, there, there was a little too much. I could have saved my aunt, and a lot, a, a little too much "woe is me" type shit that I didn't really like. Uh, but uh, you know, one more day, especially, was not as bad as I expected it to be. You know, you it gets that reputation of being fucking awful, uh, and then it ends up being really bad, but not like it's not the worst Spider-Man thing I've seen. Uh, yeah. It's just it's just that the central concept behind it is really stupid and forced. Uh, I'm more I'm more willing to forgive it because comic books do a bunch of stupid shit. That that's just what they are. Uh, Back in Black is I, like I said, Back in Black rocks. I I wish we could have had more time with this as the status quo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, comic books are terrible, and I hate them. There you go. Yeah, I'm with you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you got a question or a comment that you want us to read on next week's episode, you can send it to us at our email address, spideysignalspodcast at gmail.com, or you can shoot us a DM on our Twitter at spideysignals. We've been getting people's uh, Spotify wrapped things that just came out today. Uh, if, if, if we're on your, your top four podcast for the year, thanks a lot. Uh, it means a Sincerely. lot to us. Absolutely. We don't make any money off of this or whatever, but if we did, Spotify would give us nothing. Fuck Spotify. Yeah, this is purely a, a venture of pleasure for us. But uh, yeah, we get we we get we get our rocks off doing this, uh, and we really appreciate all your your support. It's it's great. Uh, we do this show for ourselves, but also we do it for you. Next week, we're gonna have a special guest on. Uh, it's my good friend Sir B. One and only. Ugh, we're gonna talk about something really exciting. The Broadway musical sensation, Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. Yeah, Merry fucking Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, So until then, 
stay responsible. Uh, bye. Hope everybody's ants are okay out there. Watch out for bullets. <laughs>